This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight's episode of Inner Sanctum stars one of the most recognizable portrayers of frightening roles, Boris Karloff. Before we hear him in the ultra-scary Wailing Wall, a bit about this talented man. He was actually born William Henry Pratt on the 23rd of November, but way back in 1887. Sir John Thomas Pratt was his brother and a British diplomat. His father was an Anglo-Indian from a British father and Indian mother, while Karloff's mother also had some Indian ancestry. Thus, Karloff had a relatively dark complexion that differed from his peers at the time. He was bow-legged, had a lisp, and stuttered as a young boy. He learned how to manage his stutter, but not his lisp, which was noticeable throughout his career in the film industry. He attended King's College in London, where he took studies aimed at a career with the British government's consular service. And there's a Canadian connection, too. In 1909, he left university work without graduating, drifted, departing England for Canada, where he worked as a farm laborer and did various odd jobs until he happened upon acting. He was left with back problems from which he suffered for the rest of his life. Because of his health, he didn't enter World War I. Pratt began appearing in theatrical performances in Canada, and during this period, he chose Boris Karloff as his stage name. Karloff acted in 80 movies before being found by James Whale and cast in Frankenstein back in 1931. Karloff's role as Frankenstein's monster was physically demanding. It necessitated a bulky costume with four-inch platform boots. And the costume and extensive makeup produced a lasting image. The costume was a job in itself for Karloff, with the shoes weighing 11 pounds each. And it might be worth noting here that he's best known to modern audiences for narrating as the voice of the Grinch in the animated television special of Dr. Zeus, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. For his contributions to film and television... Karloff was awarded two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And now, Boris Karloff and the Wailing Wolf. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries, starring Boris Karloff. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you through the squeaking door into the land of ghosts, vampires, and other gay, hilarious people. 
Friends, are you looking for an apartment? Well, we have just the place for you. It's sturdily built, completely of marble, with cold running water every time it rains. You don't have to worry about the landlord putting you out. The lease is forever. All you have to do to get this little love nest is call your undertaker and get yourself a little bit dead. <laughs> Mr. Host, I assure you, no one is the least bit interested in your offer. But, Mary, just think. Once you're dead, you can appear on Inner Sanctum. You know, we always have a ghost in our story, someone whose voice comes back from the grave and gives advice to our characters. Yeah, sometimes I think our theme song should be, My Mummy Done Told Me. <laughs> Why, that's very funny. <laughs> but you know, Mr. Host, talking about voices coming back, that's what happened to me the other day. I heard my own voice coming back to me on the radio while I was eating breakfast. No. Yes. I just heard the new Lipton jingle, and then I heard myself. Yes, there I was, talking about Inner Sanctum and about Lipton Tea, too. Hmm. You see, it was a record, uh, an electrical transcription that I'd made, all about Lipton's brisk flavor, how Lipton's always tastes fresh and full-bodied, never wishy-washy. And you know what? There was a man on the record who talked almost like you, Mr. Host. An imposter. I'll kill him. Oh, it was just in fun. He made spooky remarks when I talked about Lipton tea. <laughs> but I did get a chance to say that Lipton's is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. All right, Mary, you've had your chance. And I'll make room for the creepiest voice you ever heard. The curdling kid himself, the star of stage, screen, and radio, Boris Karloff. Tonight's story is called The Wailing Wall. It's an original radio play by Milton Lewis. You'll hear Boris Karloff in the role of Gabriel Hornell. All set, friends. Then turn out the lights, curdle close to the fire, and listen. Night. And on the waterfront of downtown Manhattan, the fog creeps in like a crawling cloud. Tucked in between the towering skyscrapers, there's an old rundown mansion. An anachronism, a freak among the streamlined giants. It's the Hornell home. And tonight, leaping tongues of flame from behind the black shutters. Yes, it's Johnny. Is there anybody in that old dump? It's an old guy lives there, don't Gabriel Hornell. I hope he had sense enough to get out at places like a tinderbox. Yeah, and pretty well gone. Yes, get that horse. Help! Hey, there is someone in there. Get the action. Come on. I'm right behind you. What? Get out of the way. Ah! Hurry, will you? Ah! I knocked it off. All right, come on in. You see anyone in there? No. We can't stay. Ah! Hey, ah! there he is. Oh, the crazy coot. He didn't even have sense enough to get out. Here. Get out of the short air. Don't hold me. We're just taking you out. I don't want to go out. I ain't asking you what you want. Come on, Johnny. Before this joint collapses, oh, take me out. I can't leave the house. Good evening, Mr. Hornell. I hope you're feeling... Mr. Hornell? Mr. Hornell? <gasps> the head nurse... And Harry. Hello? Hello, this is Nurse Hopkins on the 18th floor. Gabriel Hornell is not in his room. The window is open from the bottom. There's a letter. I know, but I'm sure he's not alive. 
Oh, the, the letter? Yes, I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, to whom it may concern. By the time you read, read this, this, I shall, I be, shall dead. be dead. There can be no mistake this time. Death holds no fear, no terror any greater than what I've endured in life. For the past 40 years, I've searched for freedom. I hope now I've found it. Even now, as I write, I can hear her voice calling to me as she did that night years ago. I'd prepared everything while she was in bed. Just the last few minute little details had to be completed. Gabriel! Gabriel, do you hear me? What do you want? What are you doing down there? I'm... I'm fixing something. Well, why don't you come up? I don't want to be alone here. I can't bear to be alone. Come up, Gabriel. What's the matter with you? Why don't you answer me? Oh, you're just doing it for spite. I know you are. Stop that hammering, Gabriel. You know I can't bear that noise. Now stop it, please. Gabriel, will you stop that noise? Oh. You came down. Well, of course I came down. Did you expect me to lie there while all this racket was going on? Now, you know I'm a sick woman, Gabriel. What are you doing there, anyhow? You can see. Well, yes, I can see, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, you've made a huge gaping hole in the wall. Now, what on earth did you want to do a thing like that for? You'll find out soon enough. And, and what are all those things? Stonemason's tools, cement, plaster. Well, I never dreamed you knew how to use them. Oh, I'm going back to bed. No, Agnes. No? No. Gabriel, that rope in your hands. Yes. I've thought carefully about this rope, Agnes. It's the most merciful way. It leaves a little trace since there's no blood. Gabriel. You won't make it difficult, will you, Agnes? Murder. It's the only way. No, Gabriel. We couldn't go on like this. Your imaginary illnesses, your constant nagging. I, I have to be free of them, Agnes. But murder? This is best for both of us. No, Gabriel. Send me away. Do anything you want. You can get a divorce. A divorce there, see? That would solve everything. You could have your freedom. Stand there, Agnes. Just as you are. But I know. That other woman, Dorothy Carter, that actress. That's why you're doing this. Oh, you thought I didn't know about that, Gabriel. Well, I do. Yes, I do. saw me place her there and carefully seal it up. I worked quickly, skillfully, with infinite care. First the bricks, one on top of the other, then the plaster. Then the wallpaper to match the rest of the room. That wasn't very difficult. In a short time, it was done. I was free. All I had to do now was to go to the police and report her missing. It was even simpler than I'd thought. I put on the coat. I was about to open the front door when I heard it for the first time. I thought it must be my imagination. I listened carefully. 
I rushed to the wall, put my ear to it. What I heard made icy perspiration ooze out of every pore of my body. The wail was coming from the wall. It was like the insane shriek of some creature of another world. Was she alive in there? She couldn't be. She was dead. I knew she was dead. And yet I heard her voice wailing. I could swear it was her voice. I couldn't go out as I'd planned. What if someone else should hear it? Would they go to the wall, investigate? The doorbell. Oh, it couldn't be at this hour. It couldn't be, but... But it was. Who? Oh, I... I had to risk everything and answer it. I'm sorry to disturb you, Mr. Hornell. It was Patrolman Cleary. He was the officer on the beat. He was blue with cold. I was passing by and I saw the lights on. I peeked in the window. You... You looked in? Yes. Since you were still up, I thought I'd ring. It's a bit of cold out tonight and I'd like to warm these old bones for a minute. Oh. Oh, yes. Yes, of course, Cleary. Don't stand there in the door, man. Come in. Come in. Thank you. I see you got your coat on, Mr. Arnell. Just got in? Only only a few moments ago. As a matter of fact, I, I was going to see you. See me? Why, yes. It's it's about my wife. Hi, something wrong? I I hope not. I was out all evening. When I got home, she was gone. It's not like her, Mr. O'Neill. No, it, it isn't. Was she alone all evening? Yes, I, at least I think she was. You know, she hasn't been feeling very well lately, and I... Why, oh, I, I hate to think it possible, but but she may have destroyed herself. Mrs. O'Neill? No, she wasn't a sort. Oh, she was ill, terribly ill. I tried to keep it secret until she recovered, but the doctors knew... Insane? Yes. Don't you see? The river. I'd better get back to the precinct and report this. You'd better come with me. The missing Persons Bureau will... Hey, Mr. O'Neill. Yes? You must be mistaken. Isn't that her? That... That isn't a woman. But of course it is. She's coming from that room there. Well, sure, it's your wife. I know her voice, and she sounds like she's in pain. But it can't be. There's no one in that room. But she must have come in the back way. Come, I'll show you. No, don't go in. What? Nothing. No. There. You can see for yourself there's no one here. No one. Could have sworn your wife was in this room. How'd you like to live in a house with wailing walls? Well, one thing you have to admit, things aren't so very dead in the Hornell Mansion. Or are they? Well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't have to live in that house with that awful wailing. Why, Mary, there's a wailing, whistling kind of noise in your house, too. The first time I heard it, I was so scared, I shivered in my shroud. What? Oh, you're talking about my whistling tea kettle. Oh, goodness, there's nothing scary about that. Now, if you'd only try Lipton tea with its wonderful brisk flavor, that whistle would sound as cheery to you as birds whistling in the morning. Especially on these chilly mornings when a cup of Lipton's just makes you feel like the sun was shining inside of you. 
And folks, if you want a sunny disposition, you should try relaxing with a cup of Lipton tea after a hard job like, oh, maybe washing out your window curtains. Yes, and what's more, you can help your friends feel right with the world, too, by serving them Lipton tea when they come to visit you. Mmm, Lipton's always taste so tangy and heartwarming. Never flat or wishy-washy. Yes, that brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. All right, friends, we've given you a chance to warm your blood, and now we fondly hope to turn it to ice again. With the help of our star, Boris Karloff. Oh, let's hear the second act of Inner Sanctum. We continue with the strange letter left by Gabriel Hornell. Here he was. In silent fascination as the cat screamed and leaped against the wall. Would he notice the new wallpaper in the dim light? Suddenly, the policeman turned to me. Yes, I... I guess that noise is only the wind. Strange, I like a wailing woman it can sound, isn't it? Yes. Well, I'll be leaving now. I guess it'll be all right for you to stay here. I'll make a report at headquarters about your wife. It's very good of you, Cleary. She turns up, you let us know? Yes, I, I'll let you know. Good night, Mr. O'Neill. Good night. He left. I locked the door and came back to the room. The room where my wife was entombed. Was she still alive inside the hollow of that wall? I listened all that night. The wailing rose to a high, insane shriek. And then, towards morning, it began to grow weaker. As though she were losing strength and... Seemed to die. The cat crept away. There was a merciful silence in the house. She was dead. She had to be by now. I sank down onto the sofa into a feverish sleep. Somewhere a bell was tolling, calling the mourners to the grave. Suddenly I sat bolt upright, shaking, trembling. Oh, I'd been dreaming. The front doorbell was ringing. It was night again. How long had I slept? The house was silent. Oh, there was nothing to fear now. I ran to the door, opened it. Hiya, kiddo. Dorothy. Well, are you going to keep me out here in the cold? No, no. Come in. Come in. I haven't been... haven't been feeling well, Dorothy. Is that why you forgot our date tonight? I, I must have overslept. What time is it? Ten o'clock. Ten? I must have slept clear through the day. Well? Aren't you glad to see me? Glad? Why, yes, it's... Uh... It's a delightful surprise. Well, that's more like you. Come here, kiddo. You've got the blues, but Dorothy will wipe them away. Give us a kiss. What? What's that? Just... Just the wind. Oh, no, it can't be the wind. This is a very old house, Dorothy. You sometimes hear strange noises. Oh, I've never heard anything like that before. Sounds human. Was she still alive? Even after 24 hours? Suddenly I realized that the doorbell was ringing again. There was a large pair of wooden sliding panel doors between the room that we were in and the vestibule that led to the street. 
I wasn't going to take any more chances. There's someone at the door, Gabe. Yes. You wait here, Dorothy. What are you doing? Closing these doors. Why? I'd advise you not to ask too many questions. Evening, Mr. O'Neill. Officer Cleary. Who are those men with you? Hey, I've got something to show you, Mr. O'Neill. You'd better brace yourself. It's not going to be pleasant. All right, bring it in, boys. You can put it over there. What? What is it? It's a body. A woman. Just fished out of the river right near here. She can't be dead more than 24 hours. My wife? That's hard to say. You see, the body got caught in the propeller of a boat. It's not easy to recognize it. Unless it was examined by someone who knew her very well. Like yourself, of course. Let me see it. Take away the burner. Look, Miss Donnell. <sighs> I know. It's pretty bad. Is... Is it your wife? Agnes? Yes. Yes, of course. It's... It's her. You sure now? Yes, I, I'm sure. Positive. All right, boys. Take it away. You can stay here, Mr. Arnett. I'll take care of everything down at headquarters. Good night. Good night, Cleary. Luck, fate, whatever it is that seemed to control men's lives was playing directly into my hands. They'd never investigate now. The nightmare was over. This time I was really free. Suddenly, the panel door opened. Dorothy was standing there. A curious smile on her lips. I heard everything, kiddo. You did? So you were married. No longer, Dorothy. My wife died. Suicide. So I heard. Now everything will be quite all right and we can get married in a few weeks. We'll have money, lots of money. She left you plenty, eh? She was very wealthy. <gasps> What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I see what happens to your face when you hear that wail. Did you kill her? What are you talking about? Did you murder her? You heard what he said. She was found in the river. You can fool a dumb copper, but you can't fool Dorothy. That whale. It's queer. Awfully queer. Look at what that cat's doing, will you? Jumping up on that wall like it's gone crazy. Yes, there's something about that wall. That's what the cat's trying to tell me. Something about the wall. You better stay away from there, Dorothy. I'm going to find out something. Yeah, put that I book end down. Not till I'm done with it, kiddo. What are you doing there? I'm going to break it through that wall. You crazy fool, stop it. No! Here! Give me that thing. You're too late, Gabe. I've broken a hole through and I'm going to look. Now you've seen. Yes. Is it the hand? The hand of a woman. It's... It's her. Your wife. Yes, Dorothy. You murdered her. Yes. Well, ain't you the kid? What are you going to do about it? What do you think? I want money. Lots of... That rope. Yes. This rope. It leaves no telltale traces. Oh, no, no, kid. Didn't you get it? It was all a joke. 
No, don't come any closer. Don't scream, Dorothy. It won't do you any good. Gabe, listen to me. I, I don't want a cent. Not, not one penny. I love you. I love you, I tell you. I, I, I'll keep your secret. I'll do anything you want. Anything. There's that rope. Take it away from my neck. Don't give in the name of heaven. Don't, don't raise She was dead. I took her body put it in an old trunk in the storeroom of the cellar. I had to think of some plan, some way to get rid of those bodies. In my confusion, there was only one thing that I was certain of. I must never leave the house, not even for a minute. I never did. At nights, I would sit there, listening. Then it would come, the wail in the wall. I knew that after a week, she couldn't be alive. What made the whale? Plans? <laughs> I thought of a thousand plans, but all of them would mean that I had to leave the house, and if I left, someone would hear the whale and find out, just as Dorothy did. Fire. Yes, fire. That would do it. The idea danced like a flame in my mind. No, no. They discovered charred bones of the skeletons among wreckage. No, it wouldn't be worth it. The only way I could be safe was to stay there in the house. I stayed. I, who had risked everything for freedom. in here, in the vestibule. We've written to you a dozen times, but you've never replied. What do you want? Well, Mr. Hornell, you may not realize it, but you've overdrawn your account. The money your wife left is gone. Gone? So short a time? So short? Why, she died 40 years ago. 40? It seems only yesterday. We've been investigating. Even the grocer who used to supply your food no longer will extend you credit. Well, what do you want with me? I'm not starving. If you'd see your face, you'd realize that you are, Mr. Hornell. Now, if you'll only be reasonable, we can see to it that you get $250,000. A, a quarter of a million? How? By selling this house, it's become very valuable. No. no. You get out of here. Get out. But, Mr. Hornell... Get out! Very well. He was right. I was starving. That night, when I heard the wailing begin again, I came to a decision. I, I had spent 40 years in the house. More punishment than criminals receive who've committed even worse crimes than mine. I'd take a chance. I opened the wall I'd sealed up 40 years ago. She, she was still there. But the wailing continued. Why, why? I looked into the tomb I made for her, and then I saw it. I saw this thing that had ruined my life. It was a tiny hole in the outside wall that I'd made when I first broke it open. The wind rushed through and made that horrible wail. Ah, what was the use? 
I took a match out of my pocket. I set its flame to the curtains. In a moment, the place would be an inferno. I decided to stay. I wanted to perish with the house. In death, at least I'd be free. Freedom was denied me. They rescued me, brought me to this hospital. I had the nurse make inquiries from the police. She told me. No, there was nothing unusual found among the ashes. Everything was burned to a fine powder. If, if I had only set fire to the house 40 years ago. But no matter. The window is open. And it's 18 stories to the ground. I will soon be free. Meow! <laughs> Everybody's dead but the cat. We overlooked him because we couldn't find him. Of course, I'm sorry that that wall made such an unpleasant noise, such a tuneless wailing. We tried to teach her to whistle the new Lipton Tea jingle, but we didn't have time, eh, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> now, you just stop teasing me, because I'm not going to talk about the Lipton jingle now. No, and I'm not going to talk about Lipton Tea either. Instead, the Lipton people want me to remind you folks about something important. I mean the Victory Loan Drive. You know, friends, we've been buying bonds for many years now. But this drive is in some ways the most important. Because if a job is worth doing, then it's worth finishing. The bonds you buy now won't buy weapons. No, this time the money will help bring our boys home. It will also help take care of our wounded soldiers. Provide them with the finest medical care in the world. And friends, we can certainly do no less. And the victory bonds you buy now will help launch our veterans into a safe and secure post-war world. The kind of world they've been fighting for. Yes, you're helping others and yourself, too, every time you buy a victory bond. So buy all you can, won't you? All right, friends. Until we meet at some haunted house, here's a parting thought. Don't seal your wife in a wall. That won't keep her quiet. <laughs> oh, by the way, this month's inner sanctum mystery novel is Devil in the Bush by Matthew Head. Yes, and next week's inner sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown, and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man who gets hunches. His hunches are about death. He's sure he's going to be killed, not by poison or fire or strangling. Nothing simple like that. No, our character has a nice, interesting death waiting for him. Oh, if you'd like to be in at the death, drop in next Tuesday. <laughs> and now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> Folks, the colder it gets, the more we all enjoy a good hot plate of soup. And for soup with a fresh, home-cooked taste, you can't beat Lipton's noodle soup. 
Yes, Lipton's is blessed with a real chickeny flavor, and it's just swimming with tender golden egg noodles. But listen, Lipton noodle soup takes almost no time at all to prepare, and Lipton's is economical, too. Costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So don't forget to try Lipton's noodle soup, and don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Fay as we get set to hear about Alice's new car. Good health to all from Rexall. Rexall Family Druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. For the past few weeks, Alice has been shopping for a new car but can't seem to make up her mind. She's forced Phil to go with her, and so far they've been to every automobile agency in town at least once. Phil's nerves are on edge from this ordeal, and today he's taken Frankie with him to keep from going completely crazy. Alice, can't we stop? I'm tired. Me too, honey. You've been to every automobile agency in town at least seven times, and you can't make up your mind what car you want. I have made up my mind. I've narrowed it down to a definite choice. Between what? A Chevrolet, Nash, Pontiac, Ford, Plymouth, Buick, Oldsmobile, or Hudson. (laughs) You've left one out, dear. Which one? The Sunset Bus. (laughs) Oh, Alice, we're tired. Well, if you boys are tired, we'll just go to one more place. Good. Well, what do you know? Here's the place. Yeah, let's get in, Remley, before it closes. Come on, let's hurry. Get away from those swinging doors. (laughs) Hey, that's a novelty. An automobile agency with swinging doors. And a family entrance. (laughs) Get out of there. That's a cocktail bar. No. (laughs) So... This is what they look like. <laughs> Land sakes, I had no idea. <laughs> this is a shocking revelation to me. All right, all right. Come on, here's the agency. Let's go in. Oh, Alice, not the Hudson agency again. You've been in here 12 times looking at their car. But I want to see it once more. All right, I'll go in here. But I'll guarantee you, Alice, that this salesman ain't going to be glad to see you. You've been driving him crazy. Oh, don't be silly. He'll be very happy to see me. Oh, there's my salesman now. Hello, Mr. Ring. Well, how do you do, madam? I... Oh, no, not you again. <laughs> well, Mr. Ring, aren't you glad to see me? Not particularly. <laughs> but I came in to buy a car. Yes, I know, I know. For three weeks you've been coming in to buy a car. First you like it, then you don't like it. Then you think maybe you'll take it, then you think maybe you won't take it. Well, I've got a right to change my mind. That's a woman's prerogative. Well, do me a favor. Take your old prerogative to a Chevrolet dealer and drive him nuts. 
Now, just a minute, Mr. Ring. I won't have you talking to my wife that way just because she happens to be a pest. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ring, you don't think I'm a pest, do you? Yes, madam. (laughs) Frankie, do you think I'm a... Yes, madam. Yes, madam. (laughs) Mr. Ring, you don't seem anxious to wait on me. Why? Why? Sit down, Mrs. Harris. Once upon a time, (laughs) I was a normal, calm, happily married man. And then you came into my life. For 18 intolerable days, you haunted me with your indecision. Twelve times I thought I had a sale, only to be thwarted each time. My nerves started to go. I couldn't sleep. I started to bark at my family. Finally, my wife couldn't stand me any longer, so she left and took the children with her. Oh, please, Mr. Ring, I didn't mean it. I want my kids back. yourself. You're making a scene. I... Phil, Phil, do something. Stop it. <laughs> you stop him, you old record. <laughs> oh, but see, fellas, I didn't mean anything. Uh, we all have to carry on like this. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Ring, and, and I'm going to make it up to you. I'll buy a car. You will? Mm-hmm. Honest? Oh, that makes me so happy. No, I'm not going to let myself get sucked in again. No, this time I mean it. You see that red convertible with the white wall tires? I'll take it. You will? Yes, if you have it in green and a coupe with black tires. If I wasn't such a coward, I'd kill myself. Well, it's a beautiful car, but I can't use red. Why not? I have nothing to wear with it. You men ask the silliest questions. <laughs> if we painted the car green and put black tires on, would you take it? No. No, I can't drive a convertible. It would blow my hair all over. We'll fix that, too. We'll shave your head. You can drive it bald. <laughs> Alice, will you do me a favor and take it? It's a slick-looking job, and you can keep the top up. Well, it, it is very Forty looking. Well, not only that, madam. This car has a high compression engine, supermatic drive, a low center of gravity, and a monobuilt body and frame. Knock you <laughs> In addition to that, the engine Hold has it, a very Esco. high. Hold it. That's no way to sell a car to a woman. Let me show you how it's done. <clears throat> madam, look at the technical aspects of this car. It has an oversized glove compartment large enough to hold more junk than any pocketbook made. It also has an automatic female signal. Now, when you make a right turn, the light flashes to the left. (laughs) And last but not least, it has a full-length mirror so you can adjust your hat, seams, and girdle at the same time. Sounds very practical. I'll take it. Did you hear that, Mr. Ring? She said she's going to take it. I made the sale. I made the sale. I made the sale. <laughs> Not so fast. I changed my mind. Oh, oh no. What's the matter, Alice? What's the matter now? Well, the canvas top doesn't look very sturdy to me. Oh, madam, I assure you it's very sturdy. A man could stand on that top. Prove it. 
Bill, get up on the top and see if it'll hold you. What for? How often do I ride on top of a car? <laughs> Alice, please, please take it and let's get out of here. Well, all right, if you say so, I'll take it. Mr. Ring, here's the check for the down payment. You mean you're really going to take it? Well, I... Give I... me that check. Here are the keys. Take the car. <laughs> now, remember, I'm taking it on approval. If there's the least little thing wrong with it, I'm returning it. All right, fellas, get in the car and we'll drive home. Whew. I have never seen anybody make so much fuss over buying their first car. Hmm. I'll bet you were just as bad when you bought your first horse and buggy. <laughs> I don't go back that far. <laughs> you don't, huh? Dear A, do you remember when we waltzed to a Sousa band? My wasn't the music brand. Shout a party down by the seashore every 4th of July. Test your memory, my dear A. Do you remember watching John Elwin every fight? Cause nobody ducks from Sullivan's right. Deary, life was cheery in the good old days gone by. the answer. After many years of studying the question from all angles, I have come to the definite conclusion that women are different from men. <laughs> Gad, you're a deep thinker. <laughs> well, I know one thing. Now that Alice has got her car, I won't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, not unless she finds something wrong with it and makes you take it back. Frankie, hmm? don't Hey, that. Don't even think that. Gee, Daddy, we just saw Mommy's new car. It's beautiful. Yes, it's a honey. 
Mommy's outside looking at it now. Uh-oh. She's probably out there looking for flaws. I don't think so. She said she was just going to glance at it. Well, I don't see her out there, kids. Where is she? Under the car with the magnifying glass. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Well, come on, Remley. we got to get her away from that car before she finds something. Come on. Alice! Alice, get out from under the car! Alice. What are you doing under there, anyway? It's a good thing I did look under there. This car has got to go back. What now? There are grease stains on the axle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how distressing. Well, I refuse to run around in a car in that condition. I don't blame her, Curly. When she runs over somebody, you wouldn't want them lying there thinking Alice Faye has a greasy axle. <laughs> Madman Faye. <laughs> the axle's supposed to have grease. It's for lubrication. Look, there's nothing wrong with this car. It's absolutely perfect. There isn't a single flaw in it. Except for the scratch on the fender pants. Quiet! <laughs> what did she say? Uh, uh, she wants you to put a patch on her underpants. <laughs> in and take a shower. Look at you. You're all full of grease. All right. And as soon as I get dressed, I'm going to take the whole family for a ride in my new car. Ooh. Boy, that was a close one, kids. Wait a minute. I better rub this little mark off of the fender. There. Now, there's nothing wrong with this car. Yes, there is. The windshield wiper is stuck. I'll go in and tell Mommy... Come back here. Stay where you are. Lie down. Roll over. Play dead. Yes. Girls, run along and play and don't say anything to your mother about this. Now, go ahead. Oh, Remley, the first time Alice turns on the windshield wiper and finds out it's stuck, she'll make me take the car back. Not if it's working. <laughs> but it isn't working. We can fix it. <laughs> Yeah. We're pretty handy at fixing things. Sure. <laughs> we haven't failed yet. No. A windshield wiper is easy to fix. It is? Yeah. Open the hood. <laughs> Francis. Hmm? I've got news for you. The windshield wipers on the windshield. Why do we have to open the hood? Because the wires that make the wiper run must come from the motor. And besides, it's more fun that way. <laughs> yes, yes, of course, yes. Right, old Francis. I'll open the hood. Yeah, this will be a cinch. If there's one thing I know, it's automobiles. Ah, oh, look at that engine, Curly. This is a twin diesel with a reverse flush. <laughs> so I see. And notice that it's powered by a turbine propeller shaft drawn to an inside straight. <laughs> Curly, do you know what you're talking about? Do you? No. But for me, it sounds cute. <laughs> 
Now, there's the wire from the windshield wiper. See, it leads into the crankshaft. Well, in order to get at it, we'll have to take out the distributor. What's a distributor? Uh, let's take out the differential. <laughs> What's the differential? That's what I say. What's the differential? <laughs> Hey, look. As soon as we get this thing out, I can reach the wire. All right, all right. Anything's better than returning the car. But you better hurry before Alice comes out. This will only take a minute. There. No. Still can't reach the wire. Well, I guess I'll have to take out these two parts, too. Remley, do you have to hammer in rhythm? You want to get into your song, I do. Oh, thanks. That's the plan he's got a beatin' it. The rhythm's got a lot of heat in it. I bet you five, ten to five. It's gonna get you doing what it's doing to me. The Dixieland comes oozing out of it. The Dixielanders sure are proud of it. They call it jazz. To beat jazz, and that's the plan for me. Well, it takes you down to New Orleans, down Basin Street with all the queens. You don't have to have the means. A little bit of rhythm and you're going right with them. Well, shut my big brown rolling eyes if you don't rock it to the skies. Hey, boys, hey, boys, that's the plan. For me. You're going to get mellow when that fella blows his horn. Down where the blues were born, you'll be gone. The trumpet side trumpet going to do me something. Well, Pete, our brother, there's no other remedy. And that's a plenty, just oodles and plenty for me. Once you start, you going to stay in it every night. You're out cafe and it's swing your queen. What I mean, brother, you're as gone as any human can be. And when you're in the mood, there ain't no stopping it. Live it, breathe it, blow your top in it. That's the jazz. You beat jazz and that's the plenty for me. That's a plenty's got that beatin' it. The rhythm's got a lot of heat in it. I bet you five, ten to five. It's gonna get you doing what it's doing to me. The Dixieland comes oozing out of it. The Dixieland is sure proud of it. They call it jazz, to be jazz, and that's the plenty for me. Well, it takes you down to New Orleans, down Basin Street with all the queens. You don't have to have no means. A little bit of rhythm and you're going right with them. Well, shut my big brown rolling eyes. You don't rock it to the sky. Hey, boy! just a loose connection. <laughs> yeah. The Wright brothers have scored again. <laughs> yeah, you said it. Start the motor, Curly. Okay. Wait till I gather it up from the lawn. <laughs> I forgot we took it all apart. Curly, you shouldn't have scattered the parts all over the lawn. Alice might see them. No, 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 she won't. I got them hidden in the bushes. <laughs> well, we better start putting them together fast. Your wife ever finds... Hey, I found it. Hey, 
She's a beauty. Yeah. You like it? Yeah, it's got sneak lines, white wall tires, and... Wait a minute. Where's the motor? <laughs> in the bushes? <laughs> Someday I'll get an intelligent answer from you guys, and the shot will kill me. Give <laughs> me a in the bushes. Well, this is Mrs. Harris's new car, and we don't want her to find the motor. That's a smart idea for a woman driver. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. It's not that. Alice is a good driver. Then why have you got the motor in the bushes? Because there was something wrong with the windshield wiper, so we had to hide the motor. <laughs> there was something wrong with the windshield wiper, so they had to hide the motor. Fellas, do me a favor. Get your flying saucer and go back where you came from! <laughs> Julius, what are you talking about? You gotta be men from Mars. Human beings don't act this way. <laughs> oh, beat it, kid. We took the motor apart, and now we're gonna put it together again. Curly, hand me the transmission. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Let's see now. Transmission. Uh, transmission. How are you kidding? You wouldn't know a transmission from a cigarette lighter. <laughs> now I got you, kid. Because when we took the parts out, we labeled them. See, this is the transmission and, uh, uh... Uh-oh, this is the cigarette lighter. <laughs> uh, which part goes where, Remley? What difference, as long as we get them all in? True. <laughs> These guys is natural-born morons. <laughs> Wait a minute, kid. I may not know everything, but I am not a complete moron. Neither am I. Why don't you just consolidate? <laughs> Between the four years, I think you can make all right, it. All right. <laughs> Listen to him. We'll never get his foot back. Now, Frankie, if we don't know where the parts go, how are we going to put it together? It's simple. Just a question of each part being connected to another part. For example, the transmission's connected to the crankcase. Crankcase is connected to the crankshaft. The crankshaft connected to the spark plug. The spark plug connected to the fan The fan belt connected to the fan belt. The fan belt connected to the fuel belt. The fuel belt connected to the power. The fan belt connected to the fan belt. The fan belt Well, now that we've stung it together, let's start putting it together. Come on, kid. Give us a hand with this transmission. Yeah, I'll just lift this then. Go down on the bottom. Lower it easy now. Okay. There we are. That's got to be bolted to the frame. There's not enough space for my arm. Hey, Julius, you're smaller. You reach in and bolt it. Okay. Can't quite be stung that far. Well, lean over a little further. We'll hold your legs, kid. Right. Yeah, now I can reach it, but don't let go of me. Oh, don't worry. We're not going to let go of you. Bill, I'm all ready to go for a Oh, oh here comes Alice. Alice Remley. Remley, quick, drop everything. Close that door. Oh. Sit down. Oh. Quiet or I'll grind your little vowels. Now, look. <laughs> hey, Julie, 
Can you hear me in there? Now, just stay in there and keep your trap shut, and I'll give you five bucks. Just stay there till we get rid of Alice. It'll only take a well, couple of minutes. Well, Bill, we're all ready. Come on, girls. Let's get in the car. Wait a minute, Alice. Wait a minute. Now, don't... Alice. Oh, well, don't stand out there, Phil. You and Frankie get in the car with us. Honey, it looks like rain. You wouldn't want to go out... Oh, and... get in. As soon as I get the key in, I'm going to start the motor. Motor? Motor? Oh, <laughs> I'll take care of this, Curly. Uh, Alice, uh, don't start the motor until I fix the hood. Hey, Julius. Julius. We'll give you ten bucks if you make like you're a motor. Oh, listen to that starter. Sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, starts nice and fast. <laughs> starts a little too fast. I haven't pressed the button yet. <laughs> Self-starter. <laughs> now press it. Well, what's wrong? I'm pressing it. She's pressing it. She's pressing it. Oh! Hey, listen. Oh, what a smooth motor. Listen to it purr. What's that? Oh, honey, there's a cat under the car. But listen to that engine chug. I said, Chug! Chug! What's that awful noise? We got a stupid motor! Oh, honey, it was nothing. It was. We had a stupid motor. What's he doing in there? Where is the motor? Oh, oh the motor. <laughs> yeah, the motor. Well, you see, uh, honey, uh, in this new style, they don't have the motor up front. Where do they have it? In the bushes! Oh, <laughs> Good health to you all from Rexall. This is Phil again, folks. Don't forget to tune in to us next week. We're going to do a swell program from Palm Springs. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Lights Out, followed by Martin and Lewis. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.